Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. I am your host, Bill Sickens. Welcome to this week's show. We're here at the Emerald City Comic Con, and we're going to be talking about this next week. And a little later in the show, we're going to be talking about what it took to get here. A lot of very interesting things. Things are a little different in this uh, sort of post-pandemic world, hopefully. Kind of, sort of. Got some other good information for you, too, this week. We're going to be uh, going through a lot of your questions and answers and got a lot of good ones. We haven't done that for a while. So uh, joining us will be Jeremy and Gretchen, of course. Bill Snodgrass is with us, and we are going to have a lot of fun. So with no further ado, let's head towards the news. Today's news is brought to you by Naomi's Cleaning. We are proudly serving Yamhill, Washington, Clackamas, and Multnomah counties, specializing in residential and commercial cleaning. Contact us today for all of your cleaning needs. Visit naomiscleaning.com or call us at 530-251-7249. Mention Happy Homes for a 10% discount. So what's in the news? Top scientist admits space telescope image was actually a slice of chorizo. Mm. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So my understanding is this kind of blew up a little bit more than they expected it to. It was this great picture of a universe on the James Webb telescope. You know, we've been seeing a lot of really cool stuff from a bit. One Uh of them Uh seemed a little meaty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's a good one, Bill. (laughs) You know, actually, I have the sound effect. I won't do it. But the bottom line of it is, is this would be a little bit embarrassing. Uh, from a scientific perspective, to have something like this go that viral. <laughs> uh-huh. But at least she admitted to it, and they uh, were able to move on. But I, I don't know. I just thought that was kind of funny. It's terrible. Okay, a new jailbreak for John Deere tractors rides the right-to-repair wave. <laughs> so, a lot of people, myself included, would like to be able to repair our own stuff. Yes. Yeah. And one of the things that's been going on, and this has been an issue for a while, is John Deere has been putting out equipment that is computerized, like pretty much anything else Yeah, in mechanical stuff, cars and all that follow this. But theirs is set up in a way that you really can't do anything with it. So if it breaks down or if you want to modify something, it will brick up the tractor. Just like a Tesla. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Teslas are the same way. If you start screwing around with them, it will brick up your car. And. A lot of people are like going, well, I've paid for this. It's mine. I bought it. And generally speaking, this kind of equipment, the Tesla and the trackers, uh, tractors are a little more than your coffee at Starbucks. So you are dealing with something that you've invested in. You supposedly own the device, but you're not allowed to do anything with it. So there's been this right to repair movement that has been kind of ramping up for a while. Apple just jumped on board. We talked about it a while ago where you can order a kit to fix your iPhone yourself now. And people are trying to jailbreak or be able to hack these devices that don't allow you to change them. And this was uh, talked about at the security conference in Las Vegas, DEF CON and Black Hat and all of that. And they've come up with a way to be able to do this. Now, John Deere is not responded to anybody's request for comment at this point and we even got gave mm. them a real chance to respond it wasn't like we called them and then just said they couldn't uh so <laughs> you know but, but it's you know, interesting this is hmm, yeah traditionally yeah. traditionally you think of farmers as 
being able to work on their tractors and and quickly repair something and then get back to work, you know, because yeah. they're usually have- under the gun of a time frame, you know. And that's the problem with this, and why the used tractor market blossomed because of this is these new John Deere's were costing more than most people's cars. Yeah. And the problem was, is even where we are, which is very rural, when you really think about it here in Northern Nevada, mm-hmm. you're two to four weeks out on a repair guy. Yeah. And that doesn't fly yeah. when you're in the middle of a cornfield broken down or the middle of a, you know, harvesting your alfalfa. Uh-huh. And that was the problem is, you know, you can't fix it. And then, so, then you know, your crop it's, dies. It's, it's, <laughs> I was going to say, you could lose your whole harvest because of that. And mm-hmm. It's not just us that are worried about it. Uh, the White House issued an executive order uh, last year directing the Federal Trade Commission to increase enforcement efforts over practices like voiding warranties for outside repair. Uh, New York has their own law. So this is something that's taking momentum and mm-hmm. interesting to see where this actually ends up, that you actually have to hack something you buy. Concrete using recycled tire rubber promises boost for circular economy. So what is exactly is this about? Yeah, that was a mouthful to say. So yes, basically what they're talking about <laughs> and uh, what that headline's referring to is the fact that engineers have discovered a way to replace the conventional additives in concrete. So this would be like your gravel, your crushed rock, all the stuff that make it uh, be concrete. And with that, they can use rubber from discarded tires. And they've actually been able to do this in a way that it meets building codes and is just as strong, if not stronger, than what would have been the classic concrete. So it's a great effort in recycling, and it's something to do with car tires, which, you know, can be difficult to deal with. So, you know, again, kind of a renewable thing here is what this is actually talking about and the ability to take something, reuse it, and not have it end up in a landfill. <laughs> yeah, that's really big for this, because I know they were trying to do this for probably the last decade. I know they were trying to do it for asphalt. Um, but yeah, this is this is a really good thing to use it for. And God, it was earlier this year, I think they finally figured out why Roman concrete finally holds up better than newer concrete. Oh, really? Oh, really? I, I haven't heard. Okay, I, I know this is a little bit of a tangent, but what? <laughs> If you know. Volcanic ash. <laughs> is that really what oh. it came down to? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. The same, yeah. the same reason why uh, after Mount uh, St. Helens blew up, why it cost so many of those cities multi-million dollar cleanup is because of how ash is just on its own. And uh-huh. they finally discovered it in the concrete and they were actively mining and at- adding it to it. And it was making it the super concrete that we know that keeps the Coliseum and stuff together. <laughs> This explains why digging a trench in our driveway that wasn't very far away from Mount St. Helens was so hard. Yeah, yeah that was an experience. So That's I'll, t- I'll tell you. I'll tell you. It just, uh, okay. it's, uh, just by the way, as an FYI on, on why the recycling is important, a little statistic here. Uh, 2013, we're looking at 1.2 billion waste tires annually. All right, uh, this is a good one. Women ends up with entire town instead of a house. And my understanding is this happened with the county recorder in Nevada. Yes. And um, th- this is where you want to you know, work with your computer correctly. Anyway, Jeremy, you know the details on this. Okay. So this, lady, this woman was buying a house, and apparently the county assessor's office was uh, preparing all the documents for other houses that were being bought in the same neighborhood but copied and pasted 
part of a different document into her document so that she ended up with a small town, which is 84 houses and two open spaces instead of just the house she was trying to buy. <laughs> well, talk about uh, getting more for your buck. <laughs> I mean, they, they did fix it. It took two weeks because everyone was like, hey, wait a minute. Those houses already sold. You can't do that. <laughs> so, so apparently the, the, the assessor's office fig- figured it out and the, the recorder's office went and backtracked everything. So they, they did correct it. It did take two weeks, though. <laughs> wow. Wow. Nuclear fusion breakthrough confirmed. California team achieved ignition. Okay, so this is like a super big deal. And yes, it is. We had talked about that uh, they had accomplished this a number of years ago in um, Utah. And it looks like they actually did, but they were never able to do it again. It was so intense that it, my understanding is it actually blew out their equipment. So being able to see this and be, being able to reproduce it is a big deal. Now, nuclear fusion is the process that powers the sun. And there's a process that goes through and you can describe how this works. But what it would end up doing is creating a situation that if this was able to be done at scale would really solve our energy problems. Yes. And they had an energy yield of more than 1.3 megajoules. And Bill, I understand that's a lot. Uh, well, a megajoule is the uh, speed of uh, kinetic energy of one ton of mass moving at 100 miles per hour. Right. So when you're able to do that for a few milliseconds in this kind of procedure, a megajoule is converts into a lot of energy when you're able to start harnessing it. So this was a lot of energy. <laughs> in fact, if I recall reading the original papers, they had estimated that it was going to be X number and they ended up with almost three to four times that and or more. And so that's really where it's just blown up in wow. not it's a true way because it's fusion not it's really so yeah but it's, <laughs> but still no i think it's just i think it's cool and incredible so i'll be able to keep all my smart lights all right this is user friendly 2.0 we've got a great show for you this week we will be back after the break Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. We have not done a question and answer segment in a while, and we've got a lot of questions. So what we're going to do is take a little bit longer time today and answer, or at least attempt to answer some of your questions. Now, send them in. Please keep them going. Even if we don't hit the segment once in a while, we still love to see them. 503-766-6264. One User Friendly on Facebook and Twitter. UserFriendlyShow.com are all places you can go. Let us know what you'd like to know about. What questions do we have? What is Raspberry Pi? Oh, well, I my understanding was that's something that you would eat for dessert, and they're usually that's, pretty good if they're done right. Uh-huh. Yes, that would have been my response, too, but yeah. this is technology, so, you know. Oh, this is technology. Okay, so in other words, we need to really answer the question. So what this uh-huh. is is a miniature computer. And these have been around for a while, and there's different iterations of them, of course, you know, newer and older and all that type of thing that you can kind of build and prototype on or just play with. A lot of people use them for a lot of different things, robotics, other stuff where you need a small system. They actually will run Windows, so they are quite capable. And the way that they're made is the uh, 
computer itself is about three inches by four inches, give or take on the uh, version of it. And they have USB ports, power, all that kind of stuff. You have to build, uh, bring in all the components that you would for it to put it together. And then you can kind of take it from there. They make a small touch screen. They make a case. You can embed it inside of something. I even saw at a uh, convention we went to once that somebody had taken one of these and put emulators on it, was selling it as a video game emulator. It was preloaded with basically every game made since 1978, which was kind of interesting. So you could switch it over to Atari or ColecoVision or whatever, and uh, and it would play out. But again, it's a device mainly geared towards hobbyists, although they are used in a lot of different places and are quite capable and are actually kind of fun to work with and not real expensive to get. So what can you do with a hacked satellite? Well, it seems that our friends up north have answered that question for us. Mm. And this was actually done legally, believe it or not. But uh, what this was, was a crew. They had a satellite that was used for broadcast for many years that was in the process of being decommissioned. It had been retired, but it was still in its orbit and hadn't been sent to the graveyard orbit yet. So they were able to get in and get the uplink and start playing with it. And since there's really no encryption or authentication on a satellite, it's very easy to get in and kind of make it do what you want it to do. So in most cases, a satellite, at least a satellite like that, is basically just reflecting. You send a signal up to it and it sends it back. And the way that it sends it back is a lot of people can get it because it's coming from the sky. So it's that type of a thing. So in a sense, a transmitter. So they had some fun with it. They uh, were playing some movies that everybody wanted to see. And uh, we won't ask about the copyright on all of that, but uh, they were able to put up a blog and do all kinds of different things. <laughs> so I don't know. It's It might be kind of fun to have your own satellite. But uh, in this situation, again, they were doing it with permission and all of that type of a thing. But it does make one wonder, it probably wouldn't be that hard to actually hack a satellite that was uh, in use. And, you know, that could be a little bit scary. Maybe time to look uh-huh. at some security on that end of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what is happening with NASA's launch at the end of the month? And I believe they're going to launch a rocket. Isn't that right, Gretchen? Yeah, kind of. But, you know, you have the information. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there is that. Uh, <laughs> you know, just I, they're just going to throw it at the moon and, you know, drive it around a couple of times, get get some data, you know. <laughs> well, you know, that's kind of actually the explanation of it right there. <laughs> so the earliest it's going to launch is August 29th, which I believe is a little earlier than their original plan, which is kind of interesting to see that. That's and cool. what it is, is it's the first in a series of complex missions, increasingly complex missions that will enable human exploration to the moon and Mars. So this first one is unmanned from my understanding. And again, it's just to go out and test it and see what they can do with it, that kind of a thing. But um, it does sound like it's kind of interesting. And what I think we should do is try to get some more information on this and maybe even reach out to someone at NASA. They come on every so often and we can see what the details are of this. I know that the uh, plan duration of it, of, of this set is 26 to 42 days. And they're looking at sending it out and bringing it back. Cool. What was Batgirl really canceled? Yeah, unfortunately. Yes. And, um, you know, we'll see sometimes things do come full circle, but, um, something that I've learned lately too, is a movie takes a lot of work. And uh-huh. some of what's going on here is this was a uh, cancellation that was announced along with nine other big title movies. 
So a total of 10 uh, that they're cutting back on. And part of this has to do with some rearranging that's being done. And in the industry, a lot of times there's other things that determine what happens here. And it's not the movie or the performers or anything like that. This was originally going to be on HBO Max. And there's a merger now between a number of networks uh, going to this Discovery Plus thing that's coming out, where they're going to be combining the applications and doing a number of different things and rearranging some stuff. Now, I am led to understand that the real good movies actually are going to make it, uh, several of them, but a lot of them have been cut. And unfortunately, Batgirl, which I think could have been really cool, is part of it. I'm pretty sure that's got to be a heartbreaker for the lady that starred in it. You yeah. know? Oh, it is. It is. You, you know, you a lot of work, you know, to work. Do that and there stuff. is a lot of work. And especially if you do a good presentation, if your performance is good, in which in this case, from everything I've said, it is or seen that it is, you know, it really is sad if that material, because that's your art. And if it doesn't get out, it's like it's for naught. Yeah. Yeah. Is it possible to get internet via Starlink? Well, the short answer to that is yes. Uh, Starlink, among other things, is a worldwide internet service provider by satellite. Yeah. And um, if you want to get it, there's a waiting list you have to get on. It depends on where you are. And a lot of their resources have been diverted with what's going on over on the other side of the world. But it is definitely a way to do it. It's a little bit more money than your standard cable or fiber internet service, that type of a thing. You have to buy equipment, which is about $500. And the monthly is about 100 But because it's satellite-based, you don't have the problem with outages and all that kind of stuff. But yes, this does do that. And that is what it's for. What is a Wi-Fi mattress? And I think yeah, you know, when I saw this question come in, I was kind of going, what? (laughs) You know, huh? And um, Uh I started reading on it. Now I have determined that I need a new mattress because there is a such thing as a smart bed. And uh, actually, some of them are app controlled. They do run three or four thousand dollars. So if you're going to get one of these, uh, they're expensive. But they monitor your sleep cycles and they have a number of different features. One of the cooler ones was is monitors your REM sleep. So if you set an alarm, it will actually wait to do the alarm until you're out of your REM cycle. Um, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. And, uh, you know, so I, I mean, that can be kind of cool. Built in heating and cooling functions. And there's a number of different interesting uh, features out how there. It, it just how would it even know your 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 REM uh, cycle of sleep? Well, it's, it's able to detect that it's, it's, I mean, that's possible to do, but, uh, you know, you not explain in five seconds, but it's possible to do. And, uh, hmm. <laughs> so okay. anyway, on that note, this is user-friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. I'm going to be talking a little bit about this week's Tech Wednesday. And this was actually a listener question that came in that uh, we got this from. And you know what? Keep sending them. 503-766-6264 is our phone number. One User-Friendly on Facebook and Twitter. Any of those places are a good place to go or userfriendlyshow.com. And what this is about is iPhone. So it's August and back to school and a number of other things are going on. And the question is, is uh, buying an iPhone 13 
a good idea. Huh. Well, besides all the other stuff that I could use to answer that, that might be a little bit not on the topic that they were going for. <laughs> iPhone 13 came out about a year ago now, and September is the time of year when Apple announces their new products, generally the iPhone being among them, and there are rumors that we're going to see an iPhone 14, which means that this may be the worst time to buy a new iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, the 13, you know, the 14, whatever will I do? Well, here, here's the thing. It comes down to investment. Um, these are expensive. Yes. You know, you can yep. easily spend $1,000 or more on a smartphone. Actually, that's very easy to do now, depending on what you want. There's some different models and things out there. But when the new equipment comes out, if you want latest, greatest, then you're going to want the iPhone 14 to get the new technology. But if you're not that worried about the latest tech and just need a new phone, the 13 is, is very good. But you're going to probably start seeing some discounts on it that you won't get right now when the new version comes out. So, so it's one of those wait. things. So you should wait a, wait a few weeks until September when it's announced. And if it's like most years. Now, granted, this is not all. There have been some exceptions to that. But most of the time, the new product is announced in the fall and September. And, you know, some of the questions, iPhone 14. Now, this is all rumors right now. But they're talking about some of the new features that we think that we're going to see. One of them is a 48 megapixel camera. Hmm. Wow. Now... <laughs> Um, I did a little research on this because I know that my, I think, 30 megapixel camera that I have in my uh, Samsung phone takes these huge pictures. So what is 48 megapixel? Well, at its top end, which is something called 8-bit mode, you can actually have files of 150 megabyte or even more sometimes per picture. So hopefully this uh, bigger camera will also include more memory. More memory, more memory. Oh, yeah. What, do you got to have a terabyte I mean, storage drive just to take your pictures? <laughs> one's got a wonder. You know, they are actually making devices that plug into the port on the phone for both Android and iPhone, so you can increase your storage with a essentially a portable higher drive for the phone. So these do exist, and this is probably, you know, part of the reason why is just these large files. Another thing they're talking about is an always-on display, and this has been on some Android models for a while. And the idea is, is that you look at your display and it always is capable of showing some kind of information. This is done in a lower power mode, so you don't run through your battery quickly or anything like that. And usually is your clock and maybe the temperature. And in some cases, you can define what you want it to show. And this feature looks like it might be coming to the iPhone. So it's, also it's talking kind of like the desktop looking thing, you know, like you have your picture and your little icon. That idea, yeah, and, like, a, okay. like what we would have at one time called a screensaver, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, th that idea. And, uh, you know, so, so I like it on mine. I mean, I do use it and it doesn't seem to run the battery out. So a good feature there. Bigger screen. They're talking about this on their standard model. They haven't talked about the exact size yet. There's some things being thrown out there, but there's too many, um, questions right now to really know which one is accurate. Another feature they're talking about that I think would be really cool. And we've had this on Android as well for a while is something they're calling visual lookup. Mm -hmm. And this is an augmented reality type app. It's called Google Lens on Android, and it works quite well. And uh, at the end of the day, I've, I'm kind of surprised that we don't see this on the iPhone yet. But you can basically take a picture or a video of something, and the phone's capable of recognizing it and giving you the details. So mm -hmm. in some cases, this might be a name of a location if you're traveling, the hours of a business, or whatever. 
but kind of a cool feature when you think about it. Yeah, the, yeah uh, on my um, my phone, I used uh, the Google Lens to identify something that was growing in our yard, and we were trying to figure out, is this a weed or is this something we want to keep? So right, that was right. kind of cool. And, and exactly. See, that's, and that's what, what these kind of features. And I think a lot of people don't even know some of these things exist when, in fact, they would be very usable to do those kind of searches. So, you know, one other thing to think about, too, is definitely any phone you buy now should be 5G capable. That's becoming the standard, and it definitely is a lot faster. Uh, certainly all the new models of iPhone have it, but there's still some that don't. So if you're replacing your phone in any capacity, definitely look for that, because that's something that's going to make it out of date very quickly if it doesn't have. So we'll see what this is, and when we get more details, we'll certainly cover it here. But the iPhone 14 does look like it's going to be a thing this fall. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. And today we have all been at the Emerald City Comic Con. And we're going to be covering this in a lot of depth on next week's show. Got some interviews and different things like that. But getting to this this week, we wanted to talk about a little bit about what it takes to really prepare for something like this. And since the disruption of COVID, things have changed a little bit. They're starting to change back. But, you know, putting all of this together and this time is very different than a couple of years ago. The one thing is, is we drove. And part of that is with all of the flight problems that we've been having lately, if you look at the news, there's Flights being canceled everywhere for a variety of reasons. And I know that uh, with my own uh, job outside of doing our radio show, they are not having us fly right now because we won't get there. <laughs> At least that's what I was told, you know? Yeah. So that's what it's yeah. coming down well, to. Well, there isn't a direct flight. There isn't a dire- is not a direct flight between here and Portland. So we have to go to either one city like to the south or one city to the west, and we could get stuck there yeah, instead of getting the to issue. Portland. Yeah, that'd be exciting. That's yeah. like and, and yeah. Seattle too. I, I know you're flying into would be flying into Portland, but Seattle's the same way. If you have, and that's the big thing too. If you're flying and it's a nonstop, it is a little bit better. And the West Coast seems to have the least of the problems, but nevertheless, it's it's a huge thing. And hmm. it's one thing; it would be a huge inconvenience if you were going to get on a flight and didn't get out in your hometown. But if you're somewhere that you don't know the city right. and you're kind of stuck in the middle, and this is happening to a, a lot of people, mm-hmm. so. Right now, driving is preferred. Of course, that does minimize how far you can go a little bit uh, just because of distance. Yeah, you have to have extra days off to be able to do that. So then the second thing that's very different right now is cosplay. So when you're driving, you can bring your costume. However, Emerald City, and I know the Rose City Comic Con is doing the same thing just for everybody's safety, has decided to still require masks. Now, from one standpoint, you're in an auditorium indoors with a lot of people, so it does make sense to take some precautions, and COVID is by no means over. You know, people are still getting sick, and there's still all the variants and Mm -hmm. things, but what they're requiring is that if you wear a costume with a helmet or a, a mask to the costume, that type of a thing, when you come into the probably metal detector or wherever they do the checkpoint this year, um, for that is they want you to prove that you're wearing a COVID type mask that meets the regulations on their website. And then you are free to put your other mask on. Now I play the Wookiee character 
And it just turned out in trying that, that I, there, it was too hot. I mean, there was just, I was going to suffocate if I did that, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I had this, a similar problem with Nihilus. Um, I wear a, an all black face mask and it's close to the face. So I wouldn't be able to put it underneath because then it'll, it'll ruin the effect and you can't put it on the outside. And then on top of it, I can't breathe through two layers of fabric. So I had to come up with some, a different way of, of, um, attending. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there are some costumes that people wear that where you can just make a a fabric mask that color Mm -hmm. coordinates or has the same kind of striping or detail. Yeah. But you know, not everybody can We did that last year with the Harry Potter costumes that worked quite well for that. And And, and that worked fine. Yeah. Yeah. But I just didn't feel like wearing Harry Potter costumes. I did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My Revan works fine with costumes. Well, yeah. Well, and, and, masks, and, and Bill, so, like you say, yeah. the, the, this is why I, you know I do recommend the dark side because they do have respirators and masks as part of most of the uniforms. <laughs> so yes. Well, I wear a balaclava under it. Um, you know, like a writing one that's thin, just to give that black illusion. And then I have the mask that pulls over it with the elastic. And so, you know, putting a mask on under that or whatever is not going to influence how it looks for me, but does get kind of crazy when you have glasses. Yeah, that would be well, another, so. another detail. So <laughs> yeah. I, the only way I can figure this out is to get some kind of a, uh, an exoskeleton with climate control and then reskin it to look like, you know, whatever you wanted to, then, then we could make that work. Well, um, <laughs> good luck. The other that. option would be, hopefully we can get to a point where we don't need the face masks anymore. I, I think we're going to get back there eventually. And, you know, and, and I don't, it's kind of a pain, but I don't fault the promoters for wanting everybody to be safe. And I think, you know, from that standpoint, I get no. why they're doing it. It just is one thing to be aware of. So you don't show up and go, oh, oh you know, we've got this kind of a situation, but. Uh, well, and you, you often have a lot of kids yep. there too. Right. And definitely if they've put it out there early enough and made it public enough, that's yep. the important part too. What happened to us is we went to a convention, found out, oh, you needed to have the booster. Oh, good. Oh. We went all over town trying to find the booster, and I spent, you know, the family spent the first day of the convention basically sicker than dogs, just unable to really enjoy ourselves because we had to go get this booster to even attend, and nobody had no, put any notice of this anywhere. That's now that, that would, that would oh, be, now that's, yeah, that'd, that's be, a, bad that'd be a bummer. Now, that part. Emerald City has definitely made everybody aware of this and multiple yeah, emails that's on their website and, and everything else. So. Cause yeah, this was one of those ones, you know, you had people coming in from other countries that are suddenly like, wait, wait, what do you mean? I have to go find this <laughs> in your country somewhere. And <laughs> yeah, oh, Man, that, that's, yeah, that's a bummer. So, Rifle. you know, definitely things to look out for. And there's all kinds of other conventions going on. It's kind of a hit or miss. I know black hat last week, there was no requirement at all. I, it was just kind of like it used to be. And, um, as far as I know, Chaz has not reported any kind of an illness from it. So, uh, yeah, you know, although that might be kind of hard, you might have gotten hmm. washed down the strip. But, you know, other than that, it's um, uh-huh. uh, for anyone that doesn't know, they've had some really big thunderstorms in Las Vegas, like uh, uh, super. I can remember that when we all lived out there where you'd get these gushers, but it's been multiple days. And so hopefully everybody there is OK. We, uh, we had our uh, annual rainfall yeah. within a week. That, that's yeah, that's, that's how much it was. And 99% of that was yeah. in Vegas and not up north. <laughs> and it just, yeah. you know, it just goes to show. 
But yeah, and then, you know, looking at the other side of this, of course, is a place to stay. And we got our hotel reservations very early, but just be aware that the price of everything has gone up. Your food, your hotels, your fuel, all of that is going to be more mm -hmm. expensive than it was in the past by a lot. And So set a little extra yeah. money aside. Yeah, and, budget yeah, you know? and the other thing <laughs> I'm noticing is the cost of stuff like on the floor is also higher. Uh, even just the t-shirts and things. And it, again, it's just because everything's going up. It costs more to make it. So it costs more to uh, buy it, but just things to be aware of. But anyway, it's been a good show. We're going to talk about it next week in some depth. And uh, this is a cool one. We've always loved Seattle, always will, and uh, are having a lot of fun. This is user-friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Great show this week. Boy, I'm looking forward to talking about all the stuff we're seeing at Emerald City. This is this is going to be a lot of fun. You know, I don't know. I still like live events. I still enjoy get, doing them. Getting to them can be a bit of a pain, sometimes, yes. especially in this day and age. But once you're here, it is actually a lot of fun. So a topic to uh, touch on really quickly here, and we've gotten some questions in this, is on something called Google Doodles. and what these are are different things that Google has done over the year. If you go to their search engine, the graphics change. Yes. And in a lot of cases, these are submitted by people. They have contests and different things they've used. Sometimes they commemorate holidays and events and things like that. And uh, there's a lot of history behind a lot of them. Some of them are games. One of the first ones I saw was this uh, one for Halloween with a black hat. Oh, I love and, that uh, one. The, Kitty, that, Kitty was a was a wizard, but she was having a lot of trouble with ghosts, and you had to help her. That wasn't oh, just yeah. that wasn't just a doodle. That was also a little game that went with it. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. That one's involved. a full on game. Yep. Yeah, yeah. They had, yeah. They had a version of Pac Man once, but it was wide like the Google logo. Um, so I you know <laughs> it, uh, uh, all kinds of different things out there, different Independence Days, and the other thing that's interesting about this too is sometimes what you get varies depending on where you are in the world. So if it's the Switzerland National Day and you're there, which is August 1st, by the way, and you're there and you went to Google, you would get that in Switzerland. But as soon as you left Switzerland, well, you know, Google was being neutral about it. Okay, bad joke. But the thing mm. of it is, is it is interesting to see how these things play out. And it is, uh, is kind of cool. So there is actually an archive of these at google.com slash doodles where you can go and check it out. And there's one of the buttons at the top is the interactive. And that's all of the uh, games they've made. And they've had some videos and other stuff too. So if you have a little time to kill, it's kind of a fun thing to check out. And really some creative stuff in here. And what I think is really cool is that so much of this has been done is input from just people all over the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are some really artistic, talented people out there. I am not. So I really do appreciate it when I see it. There if was you one waste that had a few like music. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> there was one that had like music that you could make or play. Yep. And mm -hmm. I, I, it's been a while, but that one was a lot of fun. Yeah, so, if you have a anyway. few minutes, go to Google, the search, type in cat, and then on the right hand side, click the paw icon. Okay. Yeah, I like <laughs> that one. That, that one was really cute. 
Oh, is that, that the one that funny. Uh, shows okay. up I, the paws all over the it, place? It also <laughs> works for dog. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So all these little things out there that are, are kind of fun and neat to check out. And, and there you are. All right. Until next week, this is User Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2022. User Friendly Media Group, Inc. All rights reserved. The views and opinions on this show are those of the host and not necessarily those of the User Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensed by BMI. Hosting provided by WeirdTechnology.com. Podcast available at UserFriendlyNation.com, TheAnswerPortland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.